Welcome to the Safety Culture Chronicles. I'm Kat Harrison, and I've spent the last few years working alongside Suzette Woodward, Dane Wigg and others as part of the Sign Up to Safety Culture team. This is our new podcast series that explores the most important lessons we've learned since the campaign launched in 2014. We see this as our handover to you, so that what we've experienced and learned alongside our 550 members is not lost, but can be used and built on further by anyone who's committed to creating a strong safety culture where they work. Over this time, we've grown to understand that patient safety is about so much more than short-term projects and harm-specific activity, which is so often aimed at small, discrete groups of people. It's hugely affected by how each person in the system behaves towards each other and is even directly related to whether or not we care for those who care for patients. We hope you find this series to be full of useful and practical information and also a giant injection of hope and enthusiasm for the future of patient safety. We've come a long way and there are many reasons to feel confident that the future looks kinder and focused on learning rather than blame. So hello and welcome our second podcast. So, <laughs> and, um, so in our last podcast we touched on how we spent a lot of time at the beginning um, of the campaign trying to reach out and sort of bridge bridge with their, all the different other organisations and elements of the safety sort of world and landscape um, in a bit to sort of collaborate and it, with that mindset of always trying to look outward not just navel gaze and look at what we were doing which I think was you know we really were committed to that and have been throughout the whole whole thing really um, but yeah that was an interesting experience and I think there's a lot that would be I mean collaboration itself is obviously really on the radar for lots of people at local level lots of landscapes are changing um, so I think delving into our own experiences of collaboration what was good what was bad what we learned from it would be really useful yeah I, one of the key questions is what do we actually mean by collaboration? Yeah. I think a lot of people use the word collaboration. They also used words like alignment, um, integration, um, making Friendly. sure that everyone's got the same messaging and so on. Um, and if you look at all other high risk industries that, you know, obviously healthcare is um, and all other complex industries, what they would say is that if um, all of the players are saying the same things or similar things and acting in a similar way that there is a combined that combined effort that combined way of working really makes a big difference Mm. to the whole so we thought well surely therefore it's really important that we try to engage with the the big players like uh, the Care Quality Commission, um, NHS England, Health Education England, you know any, any other acronym you can possibly think of, um, and just say you know um, this is what we're trying to do, and can you support us? Could you but could you support us also really quite actively in in terms of your messaging being similar to ours? Um, and I would say, um, we're not wanting to be dramatic, but I don't think we did very well um, in that. And uh, um, somebody once said to me once that people work in silos for a reason. They, they work in silos because they've got a job to do and they need to get it done. Um, they also see themselves as being very different. And sometimes they see themselves as purposefully different. You so need a USP, for instance. You know, like if everyone's the same. Yes, but also if you are a regulator that's told you've got to be independent and you've got to look at things independently, then you might steer clear of collaboration and alignment. If you are people who are very, very consciously wanting to focus very much on 
the education of trainees, then you you want to be very clear and simple with your messaging, and maybe you know that all that stuff that sign up to safety are talking about doesn't feel necessarily particularly relevant for what you're trying to achieve. So there is something about recognizing and acknowledging that the system sometimes behaves like it does because it works for them, yeah. and. As much as you might want to seek collaboration or alignment or integration, sometimes you may realize that's never going to happen. So I think we learned that it wasn't going to happen. And we worried about that. We worried about people criticizing us for that. But we also asked ourselves, well, so therefore, what should we do um, independent of the integration or the collaboration with those big system hitters? And I think that's when we started to realize actually who do we need to collaborate? We need to collaborate with the people who are doing the stuff. Mm. And that's when I think that we thought, let's collaborate with our members. Yeah. Let's collaborate with some really brilliant people out there who are really eager to work on safety in a different way. You know, like uh, individual organisations that we came across who were embracing what we were doing in such a positive, enthusiastic way. Mm. So I think we steered, in a way, from above is it above? Is it across? Is it down? I'm not sure. But we steered from the system to the people who were doing the stuff and then thought that's who I think. Yeah. From the imagined to the real. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. And also helping, I think we played a role in helping them to collaborate in certain ways too, either through our newsletter. So I, I know that we answered several people's questions and connected people up in different ways. Um, there was Southwest Mental Health Network, there was the group up in York. Um so sign up safety itself sort of was a vehicle that enabled certain people who wanted to and found it beneficial for them on a local level to collaborate mm. in a way that you would kind of see as traditional mm. collaboration um as well so i i would also like to say though i think and um as people saw us as people who might be able to help us mm. solve the world it, it, I, we did have a number of people who would say to us well can't you uh, can't you influence the the certain organisation with an acronym, whichever one it might be, to behave differently or be differently or say things differently? Um, and I th so I think there was also a bit of a tension at that point when we started to collaborate more with our members. I think they saw us as perhaps advocates on their behalf, um, which again ended up by being virtually impossible. So then it comes back to, as you say, so what is feasible, what's achievable? And so, as you just reminded me, what's feasible and achievable is to collaborate, uh, help people collaborate, network, whatever you want to call it, with each other or with ideas or with interventions or across care settings. And I think that feels like where, where we started to really start to learn about stuff like that. Yeah. I think as well there were, I was thinking back again now as well to other ways in which some of the big hitters sort of supported us in a practical sense. So there was obviously the NHSR. NHS resolutions, resolutions work. work. So, which was obviously NHS litigation authority at the time. Yeah. Yeah, that was a, that was an intriguing... And that, um, and confusing. And confusing. <laughs> um, it is a separate, you know, so it was a new way of approaching things in a collaborative way. I think um, massively um, fabulous in terms of the intent. Um, so the intent, to remind everyone, was 
that NHS Resolution or NHS Litigation Authorities, it was at the time, um, thought that they could uh, link into our work and incentivize, which sounds a bit sort of almost a bit <laughs> powerful, doesn't it? But incentivize people to work on certain aspects of care associated with um, areas where there are high numbers of litigation claims or high cost value mm. associated with litigation claims, which um, if if you look at the data tends to be in obstetrics or in general surgery or in orthopedics um, and in accident emergency so those are the big areas where um, high cost high high numbers of claims are made um, and so they were prepared to put up quite a lot of money it was significant amount of money at the time or if, of around about 20 million mm-hmm. um, and I think I remember putting it in a newsletter before yeah. you were allowed to <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, it was badge sign up safety and it was um, in collaboration um, with NHS Resolution and mm-hmm. um, and they they took it from there one of the really interesting things were, were that it confused people in terms of who we were. So, yeah. are you, are you, oh, sorry, I thought you were sign up to safety, a campaign, independent. So that's of. again another danger, isn't yeah. it, of mixing things in people's minds, is that it, it actually is confusing rather than helpful yeah, in a complex system. Or the chef in the kitchen, a sort of metal broth kind of thing. Mm. Yeah, so you can see the limitations of it. And I think even to this day, people think that we work for NHS Resolution. Um, mm. And uh, I only went the other day to an organisation where they said, oh, how fabulous you're here. Come and have a look at our SIM unit because you paid for this or parts of it. And I'm like, I, I did. Um, <laughs> I, don't, I didn't have any money. Um, no, you know that lovely incentive scheme that you ran? This paid for some of the simulation training stuff that we did. And they were so overjoyed to have me there and overjoyed that, you know, we, we, we uh, signed up for safety and enabled them to do that. But we didn't. Well, we kind of did, but not really. It's a vehicle again. Exactly. A good, exactly. useful vehicle. Um, but yeah, okay. One thing that really, when we were thinking about the local sort of collaboration, um, one thing that kept coming back to us, isn't it, that people asking for examples. Oh, you alluded to this in the last podcast, but people kind of wanting a steer. So we're trying to give people freedom and loosen up. But then also there's obviously a difficulty in knowing people want reassurance around what's the right thing to do. Yeah, there's a link between don't tell me what to do, but can you tell me what to do? Yeah, exactly. And that in itself is a way of collaborating. But getting that balance right, I found really difficult. So we're trying to get best practice and trying to um, give people a platform through our website in particular, um, for blogs and showing what they know and trying to really you know, encourage that um, sense of you know, responding to the network's needs. Um, but then also people asking for that but not necessarily being willing to give it. I think people want it, they don't want to give it. No, it's um, really difficult. They haven't got the time to share their own as well. I think as well it's also just, that they, I think that speaks to me about kind of a, a worry that people feel that maybe, I think it's the labelling of best practice sometimes too. Mm. Like labelling something is kind of like, there's an expectation that if it's something good enough to share nationally, it has to be of a certain standard. And I think what we were trying to do is do things differently, which was saying, no, 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 it's about actually acknowledging what you're doing and learning along the way. It's absolutely fine not we don't want success, to have glowing the success story. Success. <laughs> polished. Yeah, to, to, polished and finished. And that's crucial. We, don't, we didn't want the success story. But to convince people that... To try that, to get that was how hard. Mm. And, and, and in a way, our audience might think, what do you mean? Why don't you want the success I story? <laughs> I mean, well, it's, it's more about being realistic. Something that I remember 
very strongly from patient safety first was was that sense of case studies being played really useful case studies but it was very much on a micro level something this was done as pdsa cycles and it was like that was the result and that's great but that's a moment in time and actually we're talking about changing the way people think and are reacting to patient safety and doing things differently as we've said um before if that was like the thread throughout all of our uh, setup and it's about freeing people up from that pressure of having to be have the answers so again kind of pass that down i think that's crucial i think that people thought that if we asked them to describe their best practice that they would have to describe perfection Mm. and that they didn't feel that they were perfect because no one is and no one has cracked everything everywhere and so it was really intimidating so when we said we want to share your story Mm -hmm. it was initially greeted with an enthusiasm that then dwindled really quite quickly Mm -hmm. because I think that they thought well we're going to a have to get some permission from somebody to be able to share this story then once um, and then when we ask for that permission people might be really reluctant because all of a sudden as you say we're providing a national platform mm. and um, so then people started to get really careful about the words they would use around their story and what they would share and and it then the best parts of what that happened which is natural yeah but trying to get down to the because the, the learning is about the idea and then what worked and what didn't but they mm. all wanted to share the success yeah um, and, and, and some of it was lovely so we got some you know really great with people's time and and uh, we got some wonderful um, stories shared but it but it was it was it was fewer people than we expected co- who would be comfortable with the you know the nitty-gritty like the yeah. kind of boils and oil sort of story so those that did I think you know did a really good job but um I, I entered that really naively thinking that that would be embraced and people would be like oh, great yeah we can really really boil down to what really is happening so it was it was interesting to me that there was that was very difficult but I've learned two things quite recently related to all of that. I mean, even only yesterday when we were at an event where everyone said, can you just tell us where everyone is doing this? Yeah. Um, and then we'll just do, have a look at what they're doing and then follow it, um, which is such a human thing to do, isn't it? Find somebody else who's doing it and doing it really well, and then we can just follow them. But equally, um, when Dane and I were at somewhere else last week, um, they said, oh, we really like what that organisation is doing, but it might not quite fit for us. Mm. So what all we need is the idea or the ideas, and then we'll take that and we'll make it work for us. That's we'll great. adapt it and we'll shape it, and but we need to own it. And so actually us not providing all these multiple best practice things isn't necessarily always a bad thing. It could be that we set people up to think, Oh, this is what I have to do, as opposed to I'll take the idea and then I'll make it work for us. Does that make sense? I think that's a really modern way of thinking. Yeah, I think that's kind of how people are beginning to realise it's necessary. You know, you can't just take from one place and plant yeah, it down. Exactly. It's it's really getting then, a lot more you know, knowledge about how even even in you know behavioural insights is something that we talked about before, and it's something that we've drawn slightly on over the course of the campaign and certainly been of interest and even there there's there's what they call the replication crisis mm. you know this is a young science it's it's been you know the nudge unit you know it's been embraced at the highest levels all around the world and they're getting the same thing that safety has seen mm. for the last few decades but it's difficult to replicate something mm-hmm. yeah somewhere else it's absolutely natural yeah. and that's becoming known and accepted so well, that's really great that people are thinking that and just being kind of realistic. Yeah, it was fabulous, wasn't mm, it, Dave? Yeah, it was really very lovely. refreshing. <clears throat> okay, so um, I, I, think, I think our lesson in terms of collaboration for people would be 
I suppose figure out why you want to do it and what what's the, what's the purpose behind it. So if the purpose is to um, get a, a stronger group of people or a wider group of people who could back your cause and to help you do it even further, or if you want to have some role models that would say um, uh, role model the behaviours that you want them to do, uh, and or 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 you just simply want to create a network of people, it's kind of what's the purpose mm-hmm. behind the collaboration. But I think the second key message for me would be you're just never going to get everyone on the same page and you have to accept that. Um, and you work with it rather than against it. Um, and the third would be the collaboration gets you to a certain point, but at some point you've got to start thinking for yourself. So what what is more meaningful for you um, and make that work for you? Does that, would those be, that would, they, they would also, be my also collaboration isn't necessarily just a big group of people it's also could be just a couple of people that you have a relationship that you, you yeah. know day to day that we within our team meetings we always had different people from the front line come and join us to give us that real sense of what this means in the real world but to me that's collaboration yeah. it's not just you know about having a terms of reference big meeting kind of thing that yeah. people turn up to and read the minutes five minutes before they get there and yeah. it's a bit more yeah it's the word tokenistic yeah i think for me i'd, I'd just add that um if you're going to collaborate, don't, I, I, I think people sometimes think that if they want to go into a collaboration to achieve their aims, and you have to remember actually, it's about achieving the other person's aims as well. You know, you can't just use collaboration as a way to get what just you what want. want. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. It's very much a two-way process. And I know that should be obvious on the word collaboration, <laughs> but actually I think it's sometimes forgotten that you have yeah. to actually have that conversation first, make sure that you have some shared objectives and aims and therefore it will be easy to work together to meet those easier to work together to meet those because if you don't do that you might be on different pages completely and you just reminded me so when I was doing um my doctorate looking at patient safety implementation which we could probably start talking about in a moment but Mm. um I talked about collaboration and in my head I knew exactly what that meant as in uh to collaborate with other people to um to whatever support each other to work with each other and the uh, my supervisor said to me you you know that the word collaborator um has real strong connotations and i said oh what, what do you mean and he said well go away google it look at wikipedia do all sorts of things mm-hmm. um and and i and he said come back and talk to me about it and i did and uh, when i put in the words collaborator you get all of this stuff from the Second World War and oh, cool. resistance yeah. and um, and uh, going underneath tunnels and, mm. you know, uh, and... Sort of fighting against. Fighting the against. Sort of, yeah. So he said, so think about that. You need to really think about what do you genuinely mean by collaboration? Because some people somewhere may go, so she's part of the resistance. Yeah. Which, yes, <clears throat> I thought was really fascinating. That's so um, interesting. And so you really do have to be clear. Yes. <laughs> Where the sign of the safety was part of the resistance or part of the... Um, and do you know what? Sometimes I think that we were kind of part of the resistance. I think David tried to do that quite a lot. <laughs> yes. Creators as the resistance. But coming back to... Um, obviously, the thing that I did with my doctorate was mainly focused on implementation. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that in our second year we started to think a lot about. Yes. That the it's all very people. well, all of this stuff about... Um, telling them the theory, giving them the the ideas, telling them the, the best practice or some really good examples. 
but the implementation seemed to be something they were really, really, really struggling with. Mm. Um, I and, think it was and we started, yeah, thing as well. It was, it was how I was beginning to see it. The sense of a lot of energy and a lot of work going into something, a, a big pro- promise being made that if you do it this way, if you follow this specific pathway, mm. it will give you a result. And then not seeing the results, yes, and not knowing why and how that really came across. I think in the sounding board that we did from the people who came yeah. they would talk a lot about that um, so we did just to explain we, we tried to have a group of people who would help to shape um, the campaign as a whole but it became quite focused on communications and um, so they would come from different parts of the country it was, it was great like, you know 10, 10 or so people would make all that effort to come down and get around the table um, and we'd just sort of look at what our plans were as sign up to safety and again use that as a as a chance to sort of test it is it close to what is useful for people out there? Is it chiming well? Is it something that they absolutely hate? <laughs> like on one or two occasions, we, it was. We scrapped a few um, ideas. <laughs> we did. We did scrap a few ideas, and thank goodness we did. And um, <laughs> so, you know, that was the intention of the sounding board. And but actually, what came out of it? And, and recently, I spoke to someone who who was part of it, and they and she said for them it was actually one of the best parts of sign up to safety, which I was because we felt that we didn't. I felt personally I didn't do it very well, and that we probably didn't make as much of it as we could have and there's a lot of learning there but for her she felt that actually being able to talk to other people in the same position as her in a room mm. just for that space outside outside of her normal day mm. getting out and talking to people yeah. and also being able to vocalize the kind of challenges that they were having um almost like a community of practice really just just talking about stuff and it was often around implementation and they were seeing this but you must have created gap. a really nice safe space for them to be able to do that there's an element of you know valuing and respecting the people valuing their time even the way you're talking now they made an effort to come to see us and we valued that (laughs) and we and we made sure that they were fed and watered and it was comfortable um and that we were kind and caring in our way of facilitating that group Mm. so that they could feel safe to talk to us to talk to each other and to share and um, you know, if only we could have done that for tons and tons of people. people yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. But it was an interesting insight, wasn't it? it was, for me personally, obviously, it was, it was when I started to think, oh, actually, people talk. It's, it's actually enough. You don't actually have to get, you know, your plan for the day. Tick, 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 tick. People gain a lot from just talking, just talk, just talking, mm-hmm. and the fact that there was this this focus on why isn't it going the way I thought it would, mm-hmm. um, and then of course. That you know, David had so much knowledge around that, didn't mm-hmm. he? Um, so David, David Naylor, if you didn't listen to our last podcast, one of the guy, one of the guys that helped us um, in the first three years of the campaign was David Naylor from the King's Fund, and he, um, yeah, he had had a lot of experience of talking to people out in various different parts of the system. Over, he's got so much experience um, running sort of sort of senior programs that help. Um, leaders in the system and all different sorts of things so he had a real knowledge as well of this and he it seemed to chime with him that sense of almost like anger of yes. like the gap this anger around you know why is this still happening why is it still happening why are we not supporting people to to do it why are we just assuming that why we're we can, ignoring it right? why are we ignoring it yeah. what, is it uncomfortable mm. why why is it that you know you, you assume you send out a piece of guidance and and you just leave people to it and you don't really follow that through and um so um i, I think he he and all of us were were frustrated about how it must feel 
when you're being done to all of the time. You know, and people you like Owen. from people, because you went out a lot as well. Yes, so. and, and, and you'd have people like Owen and all of the other people I met who were, like, going, do you know how many things come in um, via, via, you know, my emails or from the leadership in my organisation? I just don't know. It's relentless, the amount of things we're asked to do and the amount of targets that we're expected to achieve and the time in which we don't have it and the fact that I don't have um, that enough hours in the day or enough people around mm. me to do it. And we didn't want to be another one of those voices that would add to that. And so I think we shifted from very, I mean, we'd built it anyway intuitively in our, in, in the, in our way of working, but we shifted massively from we simply cannot tell people what to do. We simply cannot add to that noise. And that actually we need to look right at the other end of how is it being received mm-hmm. and how are the people who receive it being helped to achieve it? And, you know, in the research that I did, it t- sometimes takes over 17 years for mm. a piece of research to be implemented. And that immediately told me that this is not a three years campaign. <laughs> this is, this is you know, it, in reality, 15 years of people's lifetime of work. And I remember and somebody saying to me... a consistent message as well. Uh, very. So, and I remember somebody saying to me, but I'm not going to be doing this job for 15 years, do you think I'm? And I said, but at least you know that it might take 15 years and you can hand that baton on to the next person you're going to hand the work over to. But acknowledge that it's not going to be done in a three to five month project or a three to five year campaign. And how much energy that takes. When we spoke to um, a couple of summers ago, we went out to... I can't remember where it was now, but um, the, we weren't knowing what to expect. We met the chief nurse and her colleagues. Yes, and, yes, yes. And absolutely came away shy, smiling because of how much they just loved the freedom we gave them. And one of the biggest gifts was take take longer, three to five years, and do what you want. You know, they found that such a, um, I don't know, I was really, really warmed by how, you know, the response that we got when we were there. I thought it was, uh, also she used words like surprising. She mm. said, we were surprised by you that you didn't tell us what to do and that we could work <laughs> on what we wanted to do um, and do you know what um, I think we talked we've talked right at the beginning about collaboration and integration and you know um, did the system help or hinder what we were trying to achieve I think one of the things that we we might use the word we felt like we could get on with stuff not and possibly even feel like we were invisible but that's not the right word at all in my head now I think that what we would actually given was the opportunity to do what we did in a different way and that we were trusted and I think if we were given the opportunity the permission to do things differently and trusted to do what we do well based perhaps on our abilities and our experience and our expertise we could at least pass that on yeah exactly yeah I mean I think it's, there's so much around implementation and all of what we did that you know I think that's definitely one to delve into yeah. in the next in the next podcast um, but we're going to try and keep we try to keep this um, episode a bit shorter than the last one, mm-hmm. and we're going to try and keep it as succinct and you know easy to listen to as we can. So um, we're going to sign off now, and we'll see you at the next one. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. For us, sign up to safety has just been one more step in the journey to understanding how to create a strong safety culture. So here's to the future and travelling further on this road together.